We've talked to Mike Seawright a few times when he's been in Ukraine, often in dangerous situations distributing aid. Mike is the Aucklander who was once an investment banker with a yacht, and then Mike discovered a new purpose in life. He founded the New Zealand charity Relief Aid, run by hard-working volunteers on the ground here, and uh, Relief Aid has also been on the ground in most of the major conflict and natural disaster situations we can think of over the past few years. It was set up originally to help families affected by the war in Syria. And now the relief is going into Gaza. We spoke with Mike before he had to get on a plane, and since we talked, I need to mention that two of the relief aid team whose work we discussed in this conversation with him, two of them have now been killed in Gaza since we talked, Mike and I which, of course, is tragic for their families and the team they're part of. It seems they were both distributing water to shelters that day and were killed when their homes were hit that night. You're in Istanbul. Difficult uh, for you to personally get into Gaza at the moment, uh, and in fact out again, yeah, but you've got people on the ground. Yeah, we're very lucky. Uh, We've stood up a team in uh, Gaza uh, to help us deliver humanitarian humanitarian assistance. Um, unfortunately, we're not able to put uh, international staff into Gaza at the moment, so it's uh, Gazan's local staff who are doing all the heavy lifting, which is quite incredible because they have to uh, not only deliver aid, but they have to live inside what is a very, very difficult uh, situation themselves. So they go to work and quite literally worry about whether or not their homes will be intact when they get back and whether or not their families will be under the rubble and, and of course, whether or not they'll see the end of the day because delivering aid in Gaza right now is very dangerous. What a situation. Yes, I've got quotes from your team that were kindly sent through. Hospitals are bombed and are treating the injured among the destruction. Doctors work without rest and are shocked when their own families are brought in wounded and dead. We might save one injured person and ten die until their voices disappear and they are dead. It was ghastly what happened in Israel. It's ghastly in Gaza. And you've seen a lot of horror in your work, I know. I shan't ask you to rate the conflicts on a scale, but it's a very long way back for Gaza now, though. Yeah, Mike? Oh, the destruction is terrible, Jim. We're seeing something like 45% of homes in Gaza right now are damaged or destroyed in some form. Um, this is whole-scale destruction across an entire population and an entire region. This is absolutely terrible in humanitarian terms. And the families, the civilians, the children are bearing the brunt of this war. And all sides, both sides, are giving no consideration, no real practical consideration to the safety of civilians who are caught in the crossfire in the middle. And it is terrible. I mean... We don't like to make comparisons, as you say, Jim, but this is shocking by anyone's standard. We keep hearing the dreadful stats on the news. As far as you are concerned with your work, we also keep hearing about uh, the lack of access to aid, um, uh, you know, the, the trickle of trucks instead of the usual convoys of trucks. What work are you able to do? What are you taking in? Well, when we first started uh, our aid operations, and I'm, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll step back a little bit, Jim, if you don't mind. 
Um, we're pretty busy at the moment. I, I would go so far as to say we're under the hammer. We've got aid operations in Ukraine rebuilding homes. We've got shelter distributions in Syria to over 12,000 people. We've been distributing fo- food in Western Afghanistan to villages and families whose homes have been leveled by the earthquakes here. And, and I must admit, I woke up one day, uh, this is a few weeks ago, and thought, well, in fact, I woke up angry one day and thought to myself, Gaza is going on. And while I had almost no mental bandwidth to deal with the Gaza situation, to stand up a team, I thought we had to go. We had to get in there and we have to help. And this led to a series of practical questions to ourselves. Um, How do we stand up a team? How do we get across the border? And one by one, Relief Aid's managed to knock those barriers down and start aid operations, food deliveries and water deliveries in Gaza right now. And it doesn't come without risk and it certainly doesn't come without challenge, but we're very proud of our Gazan staff who are leading from the front on this one and making sure that aid reaches those who desperately need it. Yeah, quoting again from that team of yours, uh, someone said, whoever is still alive does not know if he will live for a few more minutes. Families sit together saying, if we are destined to die, let us die together. It would seem impossible um, for people in that situation to also be doing relief aid work themselves. It's astonishing. Well, Jim, and I would, I'd push this outside of Gaza and into Ukraine, Syria, Afghanistan. Everywhere that relief aid works right now, we see the absolute worst that humanity has to offer. We're certainly seeing it in Gaza right now. But it's inspiring to see our teams who put service before self, who put themselves quite literally on the line, who, as I mentioned before, don't know if they're going to come home to a home or a family, and they still go out every day and deliver aid. And I'm I'm humbled. You know, when I woke up a few weeks ago angry at myself for not having relief aid in Gaza, I sort of picked myself up off the ground. I remembered our team's that were in Aleppo City in 2015 getting bombed. I'm remembering the people in Gaza getting bombed, and I think, holy hell, if they can get out and do what they're doing, I can sort myself out and find the resources, the funding, and the teams necessary to do this. It's incredible what they're doing. It's the best humanity has to offer. In terms of being able to finesse that aid at short notice, how have you? I know you've got good international partners that you've built up over the years, but it must have been a tall order for Gaza. Well, there were two practical challenges. Um, one, finding the team necessary to, to do the work, and the second was to um, consider how we actually get hold of the materials people need in Gaza. The, the second one actually turned out slightly easier than we expected. I was spending a a bit of time trying to work out how to cross the border with trucks. Of course, this is an extremely difficult process at the moment. You mentioned a trickle of aid. Well, before the war, there were 500 trucks a day crossing into Gaza. On a good day now, there's between 20 and 50. So a mere portion of what the Gazan population need at the best of times, let alone in the midst of war. So we thought, well, how do we how do we deal with that particular problem? Well, we we found our networks, we spoke to our networks, I should say, and 
they informed us that if we purchase inside Gaza food, for example, and there was food inside Gaza, but people couldn't access it or didn't have the financial resources to buy it, um, then we could start getting aid out to families almost immediately. So this was a this was I I, I guess one of the major reasons that other organisations are stuck at the border and yet we're able to operate directly inside Gaza at very short notice. The second the second element, and again, this is another testament to humanity. I was talking to our team in Syria and saying, look, I don't actually know anyone in Gaza. Um, do you? Because we need a team to deliver aid. And they were they, they were absolutely incredible. Because if you live in Syria right now, your life is extremely difficult. You're living in abject poverty. Uh, you're encountering much of the same problems in Gaza, perhaps not to the same scale right now, in terms of attacks, but life is extremely difficult. And they were they put their hand on their heart and they said, we must help our fellow people in Gaza. We must spread the humanity that we have not seen. We must spread the positive humanity out to people who are in much the same situation as us. And so they found the network, the staff, the team that we needed to then commence aid operations. These are Syrians helping Gazans. It's absolutely incredible. And incredible that you've managed to organise ready-cooked meals and food baskets and all that inside Gaza. And I know this sounds uh, like an odd question, but it's making a difference. Well, I think if you're a family who's been bombed out of your home, if you've been forced quite literally to walk uh, between 8 and 10 kilometres to another part of Gaza by foot, if you've got nothing but the shirt on your back and no way to cook and certainly no access to food, then a ready-cooked meal is absolutely what you need. Mm. And I think we've seen this uh, even in our, in our own context. I'm from Hawke's Bay. The, there were floods, obviously heavy floods there uh, earlier. And, of course, families that were um, washed out of their homes well, they needed exactly the same assistance that families in Gaza needed. It's pretty simple. Food, water and medicine and ultimately security is what's going to change this situation. Mike Seawright is with us from Relief Aid. Our attention, of course, has been taken away from Ukraine and to a large extent we've probably forgotten Syria. But there's still a huge need there, which you've alluded to. And the problem there this year was also the problem, wasn't it, of getting aid in across the border? Yeah, I think this is a common problem we see now in the humanitarian uh, situation around the world. We're, we're seeing aid politicised. We're, we're seeing borders restricted and humanitarian convoys restricted for both political and military gain. Um, we're seeing governments using people as pawns in a political game both regionally and internationally, and this is absolutely terrible. We're not seeing care for people. And as we saw earlier uh, this year with Syria, we saw the border closed down and humanitarian deliveries where uh, two people that are absolute need and who are desperately relying on this assistance, we saw that st all but stop. We were lucky enough to continue to be able to get our trucks across the border. We use a different mechanism um, to allow us to do that, despite the blockade of humanitarian assistance. But much other aid was blocked at the border and Syrians were suffering because of it.
How can Kiwis help, either through Relief Aid or the other charities, Mike? How is it? I know that's the usual question, but basically it's money. Well, I think there's two, two things, Jim. Uh, we need to apply political pressure to have the conflict stop in Gaza. That means putting pressure on all parties to the conflict. This is not one-sided. There are two sides fighting in Gaza, and both of them need to stop. So we can talk to our, our own government, our own local MPs. But, of course, at the end of the day, Gazans need uh, physical action, and that requires funding. So if you've got an interest in helping the families of Gaza, uh, find organisations like Relief Aid, uh, go and visit their websites, check out what they do, and if you believe in their work and how they're operating on the ground, then provide some support because it costs money to get trucks to roll and to, and to buy food, and that's the harsh reality of humanitarian work. Well done on the work that you and the team are doing, Mike. Very good to talk with you again, and stay safe. Thanks a lot, Jim. Have a great day, and I hope you enjoy the New Zealand summer. That was Mike Seawright, and as I mentioned earlier, two of the relief aid workers have been killed in Gaza since he and I talked.